I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, friends. Bodhi here. Uh, just a quick update before we start the show. I had recorded the show and I was putting all the show notes in and just about ready to post the show. And then I happened to go on Electric's website and I saw that there was a little update. So last week I talked about the solar roof uh, price increases. I didn't do a very good job at it. So I gave a, a more thorough follow-up in this week's episode. And as things do from time to time, <laughs> I'm just about ready to post the episode, and I see a little news article from Electric. And Tesla is giving away power walls to these customers of solar roofs who have seen a price increase to kind of soothe over those hard feelings, which I think is maybe not the best uh, solution or outcome, but it's better than nothing. So these folks that are seeing these significant increases in their power wall are solar roof prices will be receiving power walls. How many they're going to get for free, I don't know, but they're going to be receiving some power walls just as a compensation and a way to say sorry from Tesla. I did not mention that in the actual show because they didn't know until now. So just so everybody's aware, while you're hearing me rant and rave in the back of your head, know that these people are being taken care of in some way, shape, or form, even if it's not in what I think is the best way they could be taken care of. It's what Tesla thinks is the best way to take care of these folks. All right. Without further um, gibbering, let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host, and I am recording on a Sunday because it didn't feel well on Friday. And then I had to do all of the things I didn't do on Friday, on Saturday, which pushed this show to Sunday. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. This is going to be a very big show. Um, I have over 10 pages of notes, and I referenced over 30 articles just for this podcast. So it's a, it's a big show. And then I've got some follow-up on top of that. So right before we jump into the news, I just have two quick things. One, we have a giveaway. Chip and I are giving away a $50 Amazon gift card, or we actually ended up giving away $150, and we have one more left for a total of $200. So if you want an Amazon gift card and you want to spend it on something frivolous that will make you happy, then please send me an email, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com, and I would love to send you a free $50 gift card so that you can be happy, do something fun with it. All right. Second, 
I know, patrons, that I have ignored you the last couple of weeks and I haven't done it at Patreon exclusive content. And I am very sorry about that. I do have some content in the hopper. I just don't have the time to record it right now. Uh, but just to give you an idea as to what I'm thinking, and this is just one story, but eco-friendly drug smuggling. That's one of the stories I've got for you. I've got a few more. I got to put together a show. I apologize. I've just been struggling right now, time-wise, just getting the regular show out. So uh, I promise I will get you something soon. All right, now let's jump into the show, shall we? Rivian is gearing up for their summer deliveries of the R1S and R1T. Rivian is offering touchless delivery, and you have a 1,000 miles to decide if you like the vehicle or not. I honestly don't think many people are going to return this vehicle. I think they are going to be very satisfied <laughs> with the Rivian R1S and R1T. These are beautiful vehicles, and if you haven't seen them yet, I encourage you to go check them out. Sales of the Porsche Taycan are soaring. Porsche is expecting to sell 40,000 Taycans per year from 2021, 2021 on. They've already recorded or delivered 9,000 deliveries in Q1 2021. So it looks like this is an achievable goal. I I love this, this vehicle. <laughs> it is way outside my budget, but it is a beautiful looking car. And speaking of beautiful cars... Starting right now, this very second, every new vehicle Cadillac comes out with will be electric. Over the next nine years, they'll be phasing out their ICE vehicles. And as EV technology and infrastructure increases and gets better, I would imagine that it's going to take less than nine years for them to do this. In a related note, Cadillac also showed off their 2023 Lyric, which is a beautiful crossover vehicle. The interior is everything you expect from Cadillac. It features a 33-inch instrument cluster and infotainment display. Initially, it's only going to be a single-motor vehicle, but it will start at $59,990 US. Unless Cadillac does something seriously wrong, this is going to be a great contender in the EV market. Right now, $60,000 for a vehicle seems to be a little bit above average for an EV, but it's not too far <laughs> out of that realm. So, uh, yeah, and it's a Cadillac, so it's going to cost more money. The 2021 Ford Mustang and Volvo XC40 Recharge, Volvo's electric vehicle SUV, received top of good ratings from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Testing. Uh, top of good is actually, <laughs> it is actually a rating, uh, not me messing up. The Maki received a top safety pick award and the XC40 received a top safety pick plus award. Um, we've talked about the 2021 Ford Mustang Maki a couple of times and it looks great. I, I really do think it's a good looking car, but the XC40 uh, for whatever reason, that car ticks my buttons and I think I'm going to try and drive one next week, or at least in the next few weeks. Looks like there's a couple at a Volvo, Volvo dealership in Gilbert. So I'm going to check it out. Let's get to some VW news. Cause we've got a little bit here for VW. The VW ID4 is officially the 2021 World Car of the Year, despite the fact that it's not out in many markets around the world. Somehow it managed to get this award, and I don't know, I'm not going to say money changed hands, but that kind of thing used to happen back in the day. Uh, 
this car really isn't, hasn't had a chance to prove itself as being a good car or a bad car overall. But, uh, you know, again, it's an award. Who knows how they actually achieved the award? I'm not implying that some sort of malfeasance happened. I'm just saying it seems really early on since they started delivering vehicles, what, late March? <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's the 2021 World Car of the Year. Um, I will point out, Sandy Monroe said the ID4 is a good car if you're not looking for performance. And I would tend to agree with that. I don't know that VW is known for performance as a, you know, as a general rule. Uh, it's just usually known as a really good car, often a family car. He did not like the infotainment system, which surprises no one or should surprise no one because VW famously had thousands of ID3s built and just sitting and waiting for software updates because the software was so bad. And VW had such a bad experience. They said, okay, we're going to rewrite all of this software and, you know, we're going to come up with our own operating system for the car instead of piecemealing and Frankensteining the software together, which is probably something they should have thought about before uh, they built the ID3 and the ID4 shares, obviously that, that same software. But from all the reviews I've seen on the ID4, it's not a bad car, but it's not a fantastic car. It's just a good EV. It's well-designed, and hopefully, you know, once VW pushes that huge software update, it will be backwards compatible to all the ID4s that are being sold today. Because uh, one of the complaints in reviews is the software is just garbage. So hopefully they figure that out soon. Okay, so the Shanghai Auto Show 2021 is happening now. VW revealed that the ID6 Cross, C-R-O-Z-Z, Cross, and the ID6X, this is a vehicle similar in size to the VW Atlas, so it's a good size vehicle. The interior and exterior look similar to the ID3, ID4, meaning that it has the same design language for, you know, across that MEB platform that Volkswagen uses for electric vehicles. The interior is very tech forward, I think. Um, it does, for some reason, have smaller mirrors than the ID4, even though it's a bigger vehicle. I'm not quite sure as to why that is. The specs on the ID6, you it comes in two battery sizes, 58 kilowatt hour or 77 kilowatt hour, which gives you a range of 271 miles to 365 miles, according to the report, which is 436 kilometers to 588 kilometers. Seems... Um, high given the battery size and, and the size of the vehicle, but who knows, maybe there's something else going on that I'm not aware of internally in that vehicle. Uh, you're going to get a panoramic sunroof, 12 inch infotainment system, and a heads up display. Uh, who, I mean, out there after I just kind of explained this to you, and I know I didn't uh, put the ID four in the best light, but I think it's a good car. It looks like a good car. Who's stoked about this car? Well, cool your jets unless you live in China because it's only going to be released in China. VW did say that a U.S. launch is conceivable, but right now only China. Speaking of cool cars you can only buy in China, but not the U.S., Neo, Neo, ugh, Neo announced their Power North plan. This plan is all about charging and battery swapping services for the next three years. If you didn't know, 
Neo has these really cool battery swap stations and they just came out with version two. Basically you drive into this little garage, this machine comes up underneath your car, unscrews some bolts, takes your old battery pack away and replaces it with a brand new charged battery pack. This is something that Tesla tried and they failed at and then ended up just giving up on. But Neo has really uh, done a good job with these battery swaps. So they're going to be installing in the next three years, a hundred additional battery swap stations. They want 120 more power mobiles, which is a mobile charging van. Charge The van will go to where you are and charge up your vehicle while you're at work or whatever. 500 just general charging stations and 10,000 destination chargers. Now with this Power North plan, I am not familiar with China. I've never been to China, but with this Power North plan, it looks like they're going to be deploying these alongside, you know, along busy corridors where customers are most likely to drive and need these services because China's a huge country, you know, uh, they're probably not going to put it in the remote, most remote parts of, of China, maybe a destination charger, but the, the big things, the power swap stations and the chargers and things like that will be in more heavily traveled areas. <laughs> uh, speaking of heavily traveled in remote areas, Lordstown Motors withdrew from the San Felipe 250 after just driving 40 miles of the 240-mile off-road Baja California race. Lordstown said it miscalculated the amount of energy needed. The initial calculation was three times the energy needed compared to normal road conditions, and it turns out they expended closer to four times that energy. The team said overall they're really happy with the results, but here's my question. Did they not test this vehicle in any sort of off-road conditions to get an idea as to how much energy they would be uh, expending? Because there are plenty of places here in the United States that would be a good representation of what Baja California looks like or even Baja California in itself to, to test whether or not or how much energy or what unforeseen problems might come up during the race. Like I'm sure these are very smart people, much smarter than I, but Oh my gosh. Uh, this seems like the kind of information that could be determined that can be determined with like a two hour test drive, you know, maybe, maybe like five, two hour test drives. You're like, "Hmm, you know what? We're going to expend more energy than we thought. Um, yeah, I'm not saying that their reasoning is suspect because of the Hindenburg stuff and <laughs> their first test vehicle going out and catching on fire. I'm not bringing any of that into this. I'm just saying, uh, their excuse is very flimsy to me, uh, because I, w- I would guess that these engineers that, and some of them are actually experienced at doing off-road races, would have looked into that prior to putting it in the race. Just saying. But despite all that, I do think there is a positive here and the team can take away, uh, they now have a base and, uh, from which to improve and they take away the, the good things they did and the bad things like not calculating the energy correctly. Um, and then maybe next year they'll be able to enter in the race and hopefully one day they place very well whether they win or not hopefully one day they can place well now the lordstown endurance wasn't the only ev racing in the san felipe 200 kyle seglin hopefully i said his name right entered his homemade converted toyota 4runner with electric motors and swappable batteries so he converted a 
ICE vehicle into an EV. Seglin had a little bit different strategy than Lordstown. Lordstown was charging at each checkpoint. Seglin's team had a bunch of battery packs that they swapped out at checkpoints. So that ended up allowing them to travel further. They get, they went about 137 miles and then they noticed that there was some electrical problems. They were unable to solve those problems and eventually dropped out at mile 156. And the main reason why they dropped out at that, uh, at that point is they didn't want to be in the dark in the middle of nowhere trying to work on a high voltage system, which I cannot in any way, shape or, or form blame them because, you know, we don't want to get electrocuted. So that makes sense. And honestly, I mean, they made it 156 miles. So good on them. Uh, that's actually a pretty respectable distance. So good for them. Uh, hopefully next year they will improve on this as well. Now let's get to a follow-up here. I did a story last week about solar roof. And I blew this story like in the worst way possible. Well, I went back and listened to this thing and I I didn't give you guys any of the right information. I didn't give you any information other than like a broad overview of the problem. So Steve emailed in and he made some really good points. And here's some of his points. And Steve, um, email me back if, if I got some of these wrong. But basically, when you have some work down in your house, like solar or solar roof the contract will have a clause that will cover any unforeseen costs like roof damage, specifically damage that's found prior to installation, like the rafters, the, fa the fascia, the plywood is worse than they thought, which I think is a valid point. And not only should I have mentioned that, I should have considered it because I didn't consider it at all. Um, and you know what else I didn't mention, uh, like I alluded to earlier, the, the actual story. I skipped over so much. So let me give you the story of one uh, solar roof customer's ordeal. So in this situation, we have a customer that ordered their solar roof nine months ago. In February, they received revi a revised contract from tes Tesla. And the original contract was $77,019.99 that included power walls. The article didn't mention what the revised contract was, but I'm guessing it wasn't too far away from that original price because they didn't start complaining in February. The customer signed a, a loan agreement for the $77,000 or right around there. And they spent about $5,000 prepping their home for the solar roof, which included removing trees and that kind of thing. In March, a Tesla inspector went out to the home and confirmed that there were no special circumstances in regards to this roof. So at this point, everything's cool. Customers are fine with what's going on. Now, though, when they go to their Tesla account, it shows the system price with Powerwalls is now $118,870.33. Their Powerwall discount that they got in their original contract was reduced from $2,500 to $2,000. And their Powerwalls, the price of their Powerwalls, was increased from $14,500 to $19,000. So it was increased $4,500. Over the last few weeks, we've talked a lot about uh, Tesla increasing the price of the Powerwall and then also increasing the price of solar roof. And it seems to me anyway, from an outsider's perspective, that the price increases the customer received are in line with Tesla's uh, price increase for, for solar roof and for Powerwall. So let, let's set that aside. Let's pretend for just a second that the price increase was because the roof was really damaged 
And then on top of that damage, it was also very complex. So let's, let's pretend that that's, that's the case. Any qualified roofer will be able to get up on a roof, walk it and look at it and be able to tell you within, you know, a fairly high degree of accuracy, whether or not that roof is damaged or not. Um, our job as firefighters on a ladder truck is to kind of like assess a roof in the dark most of the time while the house is on fire, but assess a roof and determine whether that roof is okay to be on. And you can tell from the, from the ground, whether a roof is sagging, you can get a good idea. If the roof isn't sagging, you can get a good idea from walking on it, what the condition of the um, trusses are. You can also get a good idea what the condition of the plywood is. If the roof is tile, you can kind of knock up one of those tiles because on tile roofs, only the first few rows and the last few rows are nailed. Everything else is just kind of placed there and held down by gravity. So you can knock a few tiles up and you can look and see that underlayment. You can get in a good idea of what the roof looks like as a, as a general rule, right? Just by walking, looking, and, and, and just doing a simple roof inspection. You can also get up underneath the roof in the attic and you can see, is there, you know, water damage? Is there rot? Is there termites? That kind of thing. You can see all of that just from doing a visual inspection. So, and then complexity, there are a lot of different, um, types of roof, roofs out there, but in a general area, like in, in my, neighborhood, a lot of the roofs are pretty close to the same. So roofers who work in a certain area are going to be very familiar with the complexity of the roofs in that area. So now having said all of that, um, I can't fathom that a 54 price for 54% price increase is due to repairs or needed repairs or some sort of unknown issue or even to strengthen the roof at the bare minimum, maybe to strengthen the roof, but they should know that going into um, their inspections prior to it showing up at $118,000. My house is a 30 year old house. Three years ago when we moved in, we had to put a new roof on um, and the roof was in bad shape. So we had, uh, we have approximately 3,800 square feet of roof. That doesn't mean I have a 3,800 square foot house. That just means that's how much roof I have. Only some of the concrete tiles and plywood needed to be replaced, but there was, you know, concrete tiles and plywood that needed to be replaced. And based on the contract we had with the roofer, um, we had X amount of pieces of plywood that they would give us and X amount of tiles. And then they would do all the underlayment and the sturdy strips and all that stuff. I think I said that right. The strips that the tiles hang on. And they would do everything else. We paid just under $8,000 for this. And I, I mean, a 3,800 square foot roof, I don't know if that's big or small. It seems like a big roof to me. But uh, I, I, $8,000 uh, to re-roof my whole roof and replace plywood and, you know, replace some of the, They did the whole metal all the way around the, the house. I mean, these guys did a lot of work for $8,000. So based on that, and the fact that Tesla is not honoring their contracts for Model Y reservation holders of the Model Y Standard Range Plus, they're emailing Standard Range Plus people and they're saying, hey, we're not offering this car anymore. You need to upgrade to the, to the long range, to the performance. This price increase of 54% seems very much 
like it's bringing Tesla roof in line and power walls in line with current day prices, not prices quoted nine months ago. I will say as a quick note that solar roof, uh, that one solar roof customer who talked to Ars Technica was originally quoted $66,000 and then the price was increased to $87,000. And in this example, it seems more reasonable and maybe it's, you know, uh, because Tesla is just increasing their prices. But in this example, th- that seems reasonable to me that it could be because of re- repairs or some sort of unneeded, unne- unknown, excuse me, not unneeded strengthening of the roof. So my apologies, because I, I did not, uh, I did not bring that. I did not give you guys this, the, the correct information. Yes. Last week. And I, I honestly don't know why, but I do want to thank Steve for emailing in. And I do want to say happy belated birth- birthday to Allison and Steve who share the same birthday. And hopefully the Apple event did not cost them too much money. So far, I'm hundred dollars down for air tags. I am not sure where you guys are at, but uh, yeah, hundred bucks, but I can't wait to get them next week. All right. Oh, and you know what? There's one other thing. <laughs> There's, there's one other thing, and it could be that the customers that I was talking about in the story are just lying or bending the truth for their own gain. Um, that's always possible. So having said all of that, happy birthday, Steve and Allison. Thank you very much for listening to the show. And let's talk about Tesla. We got lots of Tesla news this week. A few weeks ago, we talked about Tesla not selling power walls on their own. So you had to have a uh, either a solar panels or a solar roof to, in order to buy the power walls. Now you can't buy solar roof or solar panels without buying power wall. So you get a whole integrated system. Um, if you buy solar panels, you get power walls. You buy solar roof, you get power walls. You buy power walls, you get the solar panels or the solar roof. It's just the way it is. However, um, if you subscribe, you use Tesla's solar subscription, you don't have to buy the power walls. You have the option to, but you don't have to. So just keep that in mind. Um, but this whole integrated system, I can't really blame them for doing this. It really makes the most amount of sense. It's like buying an ICE car without a gas tank or an EV without a battery. Like if I had the option when I bought my solar pa- or I leased my solar panels way back when, I would have definitely added the power walls to to the whole process, but I didn't have that option. So here we are, power law wallless, along the same lines as Powerwall. If you already own one or many Tesla Powerwall 2s, the next month you should be super stoked. Tesla has pushed a software update to give some Powerwalls a power increase of over 50%, depending on the production date. And if your Powerwall is operating at a 30 degrees Celsius or 86 degrees Fahrenheit temperature, basically San Diego. Um, Just another example of if you buy a Tesla product, it gets better over time. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Follow-up news, some more follow-up news here. That 62 stall supercharger in Santa Monica that we were talking about has officially been greenlit. No word on the 50 style diner, which uh, would be super cool uh, if that was approved or not. But uh, you're going to get 62 stalls at the charging station there in Santa Monica, which is huge because when we go to California, we'll usually stay in a a night or two in Santa Monica. And then like we're going to go see Sierra, we'll head up to San Jose. So that's pretty cool. And a side note here, 
Jonna Kreider, who writes for Clean Technica, she has a podcast and she is just the nicest person, but she has a podcast on minerals called Getting Stoned. Um, she knows an awful lot about stones and jewelry. So if you get a chance, check out her uh, podcast because I think you'll like it all. I like it a lot. She just seems like a genuinely sweet person. So go check it out. Getting Stoned. Tesla is building a team to explore the use of new materials that can be used in their products. <laughs> Honestly, I'm shocked they didn't already have a team like this in place. Tesla is so creative with their materials when they put them in their vehicles. How they didn't have a team that they could go to to, to source this stuff is beyond me, but I'm glad they have one now. Uh, last week, I recorded a little bit early, so I missed this, but Elon showed up at Giga Texas with a dirty Cybertruck. Lots of pictures were taken and much buzz was generated. This part, I mean, every time I look at this truck, it is equal parts awesome and hideous. And I can't wait to get mine. I'm so excited. While Elon was at Giga Texas, he updated the timeline for the Model Y, which is going to be built at Giga Texas, or at least one of the places it's going to be built. But suspiciously, there was no mention of the Cybertruck's timeline. So I'm sure that that will be brought up on the earnings call, which is Monday the 26th, which we will talk about next week or next Friday. I hope it's a situation where Elon's just kind of like trolling us and, and not because there's a problem with the Cybertruck. Fingers crossed there. We have another round of price increases for the Model 3 and Model Y. The Model 3 Standard Range Plus increased $500 to $38,990, which gets you over $40,000 when you include the $1,200 destination fee. The Long Range All-Wheel Drive went up $500 to $47,990. The Performance All-Wheel Drive 20-inch wheels, no change. So... You're still good at $56,990. The Model Y Long Range All-Wheel Drive 19-inch wheels went up $500 to $50,990. And then the Model Y Performance Long Range All-Wheel Drive 21-inch wheels, you're safe. It is the same at $60,990. If this was like two years ago, I'd be like, come on, Tesla, figure out your pricing because they were changing it on like a weekly basis. Sorry, I hit the mic. They were changing the prices on a weekly basis. And sometimes the prices would go up really high and then they make super low. And it's just like, come on, land somewhere. But right now there are so many different uh, things going on, shortages going on in the world in terms of chip shortages and material shortages and things like that. It kind of makes sense. And $500 seems kind of, it, it seems like they're still passing along savings um, to the consumer because it's it, to me, I would expect to see at least a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred dollars more per car because of these problems. But five hundred dollars, okay. So we all know that Tesla collects a ton of data when it comes to your driving habits, or at least everybody who listens to this podcast should know that. Most, if not all, Tesla owners should be aware that this happens. But who owns this data? Tesla would probably argue that they own it but I tend to side on, on the, the, the side of the consumer and I say the owners own it simply because it is your data, how fast you drive, where you drive, that kind of thing. All of that data, I believe, belongs to you. Um, Tesla owners now have access to their, or more easily have access to their vehicle data through Tesla's new event data recorder resources or EDR 
but why it's not E-D-R-R is beyond me because it's got two R's. But anyway, there are likely a few reasons uh, why you'd want this data, like a car accident. Was the car in drive or reverse when it hit the garage? That kind of thing. Was your child speeding when they took the car out? That kind of stuff. Uh, Tesla is making this software update available free to owners, um, no charge. They can access the EDR data. There's still quite a bit of work involved to get this data, though. It's not as easy as going to a website and then boom, you got it. You have to um, download this software and then you're going to need to go and you get that from the Tesla EDR resources page. And then you follow the retrieval guide. But you also need a PCAN USB adapter, a Tesla cable and a Windows computer. So that's that's quite a lot. If you don't want to track down all these cables that you need, you can go and spend twelve hundred dollars and get a Tesla EDR retrieval hardware kit from Crash Data Group. Or you could maybe track down the cables you need and save yourself a little bit of money. Um, the cables are dependent on, on which vehicle, which Tesla and model and year that you're trying to get information from. So do your research. Now, I am going to quote my Louisiana cousin, Kurt, who often tells a very long, pointless story so he can tell you another story. So I told you that story so I can tell you this one. Tesla had a very public protest at this Shanghai auto show this week. Jing Hao, I hope I'm saying that right, China's state-run news agency called on Tesla to meet market expectations to earn customers' trust. Now, keep in mind, a lot of this stuff is in Chinese, so I'm only reporting what English outlets uh, reported because I don't speak Chinese. So here's what we got. I guess there's some issues of brake failures and fires while uh, vehicles were uh, charging. So the Commission of Political and Legal Affairs of the Communist Party of China Central Committee, it's a heck of a long name, released a statement asking or maybe ordering Tesla to respect Chinese consumers and comply with local laws and regulations. Now, to this point, I know that there were some issues of early Model S's that were catching on fire. I haven't heard of any issues of any other fires happening in China, to, to the best of my knowledge. And granted, uh, you know, China can sometimes be a black box in terms of news. I just I have not come across anything. If you have, please let me know. And as far as the brake issues, that I I I have less of an idea about that. I've not heard of any brake issues on Teslas in China. So this all seems to come from a protester at the Shanghai Auto Show. The protester jumped on top of a Model 3 and shouted that her car's uh, brakes had lost control, had failed. The protester was wearing a T-shirt, and in Chinese, it had a Tesla logo, which was just the T, and then written under it in Chinese was, the brakes don't work. There's several different uh, translations of her shirt, but basically, the brakes were faulty. This is not her first time protesting Tesla and her perceived faulty brakes, and maybe they are, I don't know. Uh, but from what I can gather, she was involved in an accident, and she felt that the brakes were faulty. So, I mean, that's that's fair. She was removed from the booth and detained by Chinese authorities for five days, which I think may be a little excessive, to be honest with you. Before we get too much further into the story, um, I don't know if her claims are true or not, and I... I believe I've already said this, but I want to make it 100% clear. I'm not passing judgment on Tesla or this woman. 
And I'm going to do my best to report the facts and let you decide what's true or not, or at least have the facts. Um, so Tesla apologized after this, the way that it handled this protester's complaint after all this happened. And they said that they should have addressed it sooner. But before that apology, Tesla released a statement that a lot of people in China criticized as being very cocky. Now, this is one of those instances where that might, that kind of, um, thing might fly in the United States, but in an Asian country like China, we don't have the same sensibilities. Like we might have uh, overall the same morals and, and life goals, but the way that we perceive this information can be very different, right? And it didn't fly in China, how Tesla's first statement on this. So they went back and they apologized. In the previous story, we talked about data logs. Can you see where this is going? I told you that story, so I can tell you this one. Uh, prior to this incident, Tesla has prevented the release of their data logs to owners who were involved in accidents. They, I don't know that they have uh, given more than a few, if any, uh, owners data logs after an accident occurred. Now, Tesla's released a bit of data on the accident that involved this protester we were talking about. So this is what Tesla had to say. When the driver stepped on the brake pedal for the last time, the data showed that the speed of the vehicle was 118.5 kilometers per hour. So that's about 73 miles per hour. Within 2.7 seconds after the driver stepped on the brake pedal, the maximum master cylinder pressure for the brake was 45.9 bar. After that, the driver increased the stepping on the brake pedal and the brake master cylinder pressure reached 92.7 bar. So uh, they tried to slow down, didn't step on the brake pedal quite as hard as they needed to, and then they increased pressure on that brake pedal. The front collision warning and automatic emergency braking function was activated. The maximum brake cylinder pressure reached 140.7 bar. So the, the, now the car has taken over and is really trying to stop the car um, and played a role. The f emergency braking system played a role in reducing the amplitude of the collision. 1.8 seconds after the ABS was applied, the system recorded the occurrence of the collision. At, after the driver stepped on the brake pedal, the speed continued to decrease. And before the collision, the vehicle speed was reduced to... 48.5 kilometers or about 30 miles an hour. Um, so basically what Tesla is saying is the driver stepped on the brake, but it wasn't very hard or hard enough. They increased pressure as they got closer to the vehicle. And then the automatic braking system kicked in and was like, nope, nope, we got to stop. And then they were able to slow down to about 30 miles per hour. Um, all that happened in about six seconds, which is really fast. Tesla has said that they will share the data 30 minutes prior to the accident to a third party as determined by the customer's insurance company or a government agency to determine fault. Now, before we put this story to bed, I do want to say there have been reports that this protester is a professional protester working for other interests. And I'm not going to get into all that because it's an easy and it's a very easy and lazy way to dismiss somebody by saying, oh, they have other they have other interests in mind that they're not protesting for the reasons they say they are. I don't know if she is or not, but that kind of reporting makes me very angry. It, it, it's just absolutely stupid. So 
Tesla is launching a new team in China to handle these kinds of situations. And again, just like that materials team that we talked about earlier, I am shocked that they don't have a team in every country they operate in to handle these kind of customer uh, issues. It seems like they absolutely should have a team in every country to deal with this stuff in a timely manner. So if I got in an accident and I thought the car was at fault and Tesla did not get back to me or adequately get back to me, I would be very frustrated and very angry. And I would feel like I want to protest too. My deal is not so much a protest. I'm not a protesty person, but if I was, I would absolutely protest. All right. One more story in the same vein as our last one. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration and the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, will investigate a fatal crash that occurred April 16th in Texas. Two men were hanging out at a gathering, and then they took a 2019 Model S for a drive at 11 p.m. 25 minutes later, the car struck a tree and caught fire. Both men died in the crash, and kind of anecdotally, I guess, no one was found behind the steering wheel. There are reports that the owner of the vehicle was in the driver's seat when they backed the vehicle down the driveway. And then as it drove away, although the owner may have jumped into the back seat, although none of this information has been confirmed. Now, I don't know what these two gentlemen were up to, but if they didn't have their seatbelts on and they were traveling at a high rate of speed down this, what looked like a dirt road without lane markers, uh, if they were traveling at a high rate of speed and they hit a tree, and they didn't have their seatbelts on, they're going to end up in a variety of different places in the car, just from my experience, right? So keep that in mind um, as I as I continue on with this, right? Last week, we talked about the NTSB pushing the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration to have um, more of a role and oversight of autonomous driving in the United States. So what people think or what is being reported is that these via, these gentlemen somehow circumvented the safety safeguards for autopilot or um, full self-driving and were basically using it irresponsible and irresponsibly and they hit a tree. So um, when they hit a tree, the car caught on fire, firefighters arrived on scene and put the fire out with a f- within a few minutes. And then they stayed on seat a bit longer to cool the battery. Initial reports of this was the fire took four hours to extinguish and over 30,000 gallons of water were used. And fire departments required assistance from Tesla to put out the fire. The local fire chief has denied these reports. It's simply not true. A few minutes to put out the fire and then they cooled the battery. So it sounds like the fire department did, you know, the right thing based on this report. Elon also tweeted out, that autopilot was not engaged when the car was uh, being driven and there were, the car did not have full self-driving enabled. So the person who bought the vehicle didn't pay for full self-driving. And then the road that the accident occurred on didn't have lane lines, which is required for autopilot. Now, again, <laughs> I told you that story so I could tell you this one. In effort to prove some sort of point, Consumer Reports set out to prove that autopilot can be tricked which, I mean, if you've listened to this show long enough, you already know that it can be tricked because I talk about these idiots driving on the freeway in the backseat of their vehicles all the time. But whatever, Consumer Reports needed to figure it out for their own, on their own. Uh, Consumer Reports put an engineer in a vehicle. They engaged autopilot. They set the speed dial to zero. And then they made sure that the seatbelt was fastened. 
they hung a weight off the steering wheel to give it a little bit of resistance. And then the engineer that was in the driver's seat slid over to the passenger seat without opening the doors, because if they would have opened the doors, it would have disabled uh, the, the save cards and they wouldn't be able to use autopilot anymore. Um, and they took this Model Y on their half-mile track, and they were surprised how easy it was to circumvent the safety measures. For nearly four years of me doing the show, excuse me, nearly five years of me doing this show, I have condemned people who misuse autopilot or full self-driving. It's idiotic and it's irresponsible. It's asinine. And people who do it should be 100% uh, prosecuted in the same way that people are, are prosecuted when they are driving while impaired, whether it's drugs or alcohol. It and to me, it doesn't it doesn't mean it's it's no different. You are putting people's lives at risk and your own life at risk, and potentially your family if you got them in the car uh, because you're stupid. So and. <laughs> I've seen enough people die uh, in car accidents for doing stupid things, whether that's drinking or being impaired uh, through drugs or, you know, messing with their phone or whatever. I've seen uh, – I, I mean, I'm not an investigator, but anecdotally, I would say the majority of auto accidents that I've been on that result in a fatality – or because somebody was doing something really stupid. In some cases, it's running from the cops. In some cases, it's you know being high or drunk driving. And like I said, it's just distracting driving. Like you look down at your phone and boom, somebody dies. Like it's not really unfortunate. But to purposely circumvent the safety features on a vehicle, to prove a point that you can circumvent the safety features, features on a vehicle after two people died, and everybody already knows that you can circumvent these safety features. Uh, I mean, Consumer Reports, I subscribe to you, and I probably will continue subscribing to your magazine, but you guys are dumb. Like, I don't want to be rude, but that this is the dumbest thing. Like, ugh, so mad. Um, you're not dumb. I apologize. You guys are irresponsible. This is irresponsible. I don't even know if it's reporting. This is an irresponsible test. It's 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 dumb. Uh, okay, <laughs> let me move on. It's asinine. Let me move on because it makes me mad. Like I I I am on board with with safer or or some sort of regulations for self driving as long as they don't uh, impede like true innovation, right? We need oversight for, for self-driving vehicles. However, if Tesla would say, well, you need like at least 70 pounds in the seat, Consumer Reports is going to put 70 pounds of weight. Like you can over whatever the, 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 the thing they needed to overcome to circumvent, uh, uh, the safeguards, they could have done it short of if Tesla had some way of tracking with the camera that they have in the vehicle with the model three and model Y. And now the new model S and X have, has that camera facing uh, towards the cabin short of that, like the camera facing the ca the cabin, they would know if the driver's paying attention, like Chevy does it. Um, they would know if there was somebody in the driver's seat, uh, but short of the, short of that camera, anything else that Tesla did, and even it with the camera, you could probably circumvent those safety features. Like this is, this doesn't solve any problems other than gets, you know, consumer reports, uh, that gets their name in, in the news. That's all it does. It proves nothing other than they can be, 
on the same level as dummies who do this on public streets. Like I, I'm sure that they will argue that we did this on a closed course. It does not matter. You sir, you purposely circumvented the, the safety features to prove a point that you didn't need to prove because everybody knows you can do it. Anyway, I don't know. Let's end this. We're going to go on to some better news. Makes me mad. So let's talk about Tesla's uh, quarterly safety report. So Tesla does this every quarter, Q1 2021. But before we do that, let's start. Let's talk about the fires because uh, Tesla vehicles from 2012 to 2020 averaged one vehicle fire for every 205 miles tra- traveled. Now, according to the National Fire Protection Agency, the NFPA, the national average outside of Tesla's is one vehicle every 19,000 miles traveled. So Tesla's catch on fire roughly 10 times less than other vehicles out there. I won't even say ICE vehicles because there's lots of other vehicles out there that are not Tesla's that are EVs. Now, in terms of accidents, Tesla released their Q1 2021 accident report, and I'm just going to read it here. In the first quarter, we registered one accident for every 4.19 million miles driven in which drivers had autopilot engaged. So pretty good. One accident, autopilot engaged, not full self-driving, just autopilot, 4.19 million miles driven. For those driving without autopilot, but with the safety features, active safety features on, it was one accident per 2.05 million miles driven. Driven. For those without autopilot and without safety features, active safety features on, which I don't know who's driving with that out, but here we are, we registered one accident per 978,000 miles. So by comparison, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's recent most recent data shows that the United States, there is an automobile crash every 484,000 miles. So driving a Tesla, just based on the numbers, Driving a Tesla uh, is about twice as safe without any of the active safety features on or autopilot than just driving a regular car by those numbers. However, I will point out that Tesla did not include the numbers for full self-driving, which is in beta. Those don't; those numbers didn't make it into this this uh, cool little blurb. All right, everybody, that is enough of my ranting and raving. I do have a few things to go over before we end the show. Number one, next week is Tesla's earnings call. So what I do is I listen to the earnings call, I chop it up, and I play little clips, and then I give my take on those clips, and then, you know, the show's like an hour and a half long. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Number two, I am going to be recording with Howard Yermish and James Hart from True North EVs. And we are going to sit down and talk about the Hyundai Kona, which James and Howard, I owe you an email and hopefully I'll get it out today. Um, and that'll be the week after. So we're going to be newsless more or less for the next two weeks. But I think you're going to like the next two shows. I'm really excited about them. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. And that is it for me, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you this Friday. Friday.